Let's talk about something that, um, well, Benjamin Franklin said in a letter that he wrote in 1789. He said, in this world, there are a couple things that are certain. Death and taxes. Of all the things, you know, those are things you got to do. And there are some things that, uh, well, I'll, I'll add to his list. There are some things beyond death and taxes that we have to do. We cherish in this country freedom, liberties. We don't want anybody telling us really what to do with our lives. We like a lot of independence and a lot of freedom. And when government gets a little bit too big and starts to to impose uh, their will on ours, we kind of don't like that very well. And um, we just have that independence about us. And I don't like necessarily to be told what I have to do. Um, and probably neither do you. And as you recall as a child, there were times when you didn't like to be told what to do. You've probably heard the story about the little boy that went to Bible class and kept jumping up and kept jumping up. And finally that teacher just grabbed him and physically sat him down in the seat and said, you're going to sit there. And he said, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. And we have that kind of attitude sometimes. We, we don't like to comply when we're made to do certain things. But I want to talk to you tonight about some things about which you don't have any choice. In, uh, along with dex, death and taxes, there I go again. Uh, along with death and taxes, there's some other things you have to do. Now, I'll tell you, God has made us free moral agents, we use the term, and there are a lot of choices we get to make in life. But there are some things you don't have any choice about, and that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. I want to look at four or five things, four things tonight, about which we have no choice. Everyone everywhere must do these things. Let's look at the first one. All men everywhere must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, on surface, you might say, oh, whoa, 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 wait a second, that's not true. I know people, I have friends who won't confess Jesus Christ as Lord. I know people that spend their life in opposition and die in opposition to the cause of Christ. You don't have to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Uh, I beg to differ. You do. What do I mean by that? Well, if you turn in your Bible to Philippians 2, um, that passage it talks about, it begins to talk about have this mind in you which is also in Christ and how that he left heaven. Uh, he didn't grasp onto that equality with God. He was able to release that and become a man, take on him, uh, the, the role of a servant, die even the death of the cross. And then because of that, he says in verse 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. And if you're reading that carefully, you're going to say, but that doesn't say everybody will. That says that's what they should do. And you're right. That's what they should do. And you're right. Not everybody does what they should do. But think about the should, of the, the oughtness of this passage. Should you not? Ought you not bow down and confess Jesus Christ as Lord? Consider what he did. He left heaven. 
came to earth, died for us, endured all the things that he endured. And it's not just take yourself out of the picture. Sometimes we don't appreciate what Jesus did when we apply it to ourselves, but let me apply it to your kids. How much do you love your children? You do know that it's Jesus who died so those children don't have to go to hell when they grow older and, and, and when they eventually meet the Lord. He died for your children. You love your mom and dad? Sure you do. Jesus laid his life down for your mom and dad. Sometimes we can look at it, well, he did it for me, and it doesn't impact us as much as if we consider the people in my life that I love the most, that I want the best for. How can I not confess Jesus as my Lord and bow down to his will when I realize he has done for the people that I love the most important things that anybody could do for them? I want my children to go to heaven more than anything. I I want my mom and dad and my grandparents and my cousins and my neighbors and my friends and my church family. I, I want them to go to heaven. Jesus did that. How can I stand in rebellion in the face of Jesus? Ought I not bow before him and confess him to be my Lord? But like I said, that doesn't say that we have to. It's just what we ought to do. But let me tell you, let me have you turn to another passage. If you have your Bible, open it to Romans chapter 14 and read with me in uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Excuse me, yeah, verse 10 through 12. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, there's, there's a difference in that passage, isn't there? The one in Philippians, Paul said everybody should do this. But the one Paul wrote to the uh, Romans is that everyone shall do this. You will do this. The difference is the time, the place. In Philippians, he's talking about what we ought to do as we live our lives. Man, what, what has Jesus done for you? How can you not confess him as your Lord in, in view of what he's done for you? That's what you should do. But the scene that is portrayed in Romans chapter 14 is the judgment. You stand before God and at the judgment, you've got to confess. He is Lord. There's no question about it at this point. You stand before him. He's judging over your life. You have to confess that he was who he said he was. So, here's the point. You can't get around it. You will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The question, though, is, well, since I can't get around it, is there any choice about the matter? Yeah, the choice is, when do you want to do it? Do you want to confess him now as Lord and live your life in harmony with his will and benefit from his lordship in your life, or do you want to deny it now and confess it later when it's too late? We don't have any choice as to whether we're going to do it or not. We do have a choice as to whether it's now or later. Here's a second thing that we have to do. Everyone will have to do. All men everywhere are going to be baptized. 
again, you say, well, that's, <laughs> I don't know about that, Steve. I, I know people that just resist it. I, I know people that have died resisting it. And, uh, you know, that's, again, that's true. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then in verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be condemned. That, that passage tells us to be baptized, but I know people and you know people that aren't going to do it. You know, they, they're more willing to stand in opposition, really, to the words of Jesus to defend their theology than they are to simply humbly submit themselves. Some people will not, as a point of principle, as a point of, you know, this is what I believe, and I'm not going to do it because I don't think you have to do it. Jesus said, do it. Will we stand in the face of the commandments of Jesus because we have some theology that runs counter to what he told us to do? Where's your loyalty, to Jesus or to some man-made doctrine? He said, be baptized. Well, some people won't do it now, but they will. You know, you have a choice of doing it now and, and having the benefits of that baptism uh, place you into the family of God and you have forgiveness of sins by the blood of Christ. But if you don't do it now, you will do it later. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, I believe John the Baptist had reference to a baptism of fire that was not stood in contrast with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they would be baptized some with fire and some with the Holy Spirit. That baptism of fire, I think, is illustrated in Revelation chapter 20, when at the judgment scene, those whose names were not written in the book of life, what happens? The angels come and take them and cast them into the lake of fire. You see, the, the word baptism just means to be submerged, to be immersed in. And those who refuse to obey Jesus will someday be immersed. The element's not water this time. It's fire. So again, the question, you don't have any, you don't have any choice about this. You, you will be baptized. The choice is when and with what elements, into what element. We can be baptized in water for the forgiveness of our sins, or we can be baptized in fire to spend eternity in a devil's hell. The choice is ours as to which we choose, but you, will choose, you have no choice about doing it. A third thing that we see is that all men everywhere will be resurrected. You know, the resurrection of Jesus, or the resurrection of uh, the Bible, uh, Jesus being the first fruits of it, everybody's going to live forever somewhere. Now, for those of who go to heaven, I mean, they're, they're, it's said they have eternal life, and it's not only talking about duration, but, but the, the uh, quality of that life. But if you're alive now, you're going to be alive forever somewhere. Now, the quality of the life apart from Christ isn't really life, so to speak, but it is existence. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 22, that Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. And because of him, we're all raised. God gave us life. He gave us a soul. And that is going to live forever. And about that, we have no choice. 
Now, I know there are people who have said in the past that we have no soul at all. There is no immortal side to man. I know others who have taken a modified view of that and said, well, the, the, the immortality of man is conditional, that a man can live forever uh, if God raises him up, but if he hasn't been good, he'll just stay dead forever. And then there are even modifications of that as to whether he'll be resurrected at all to suffer for a little bit of time or, or just never wakened again. The Bible says we, we live, and we have life in us, and that life will always be in we, We're going to exist somewhere, consciously exist somewhere, and that's guaranteed to us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know from the book of Revelation, as the judgments of God upon the, the Roman Empire are being poured out, on one occasion it says that the people, instead of facing the... I don't think it's talking about the final judgment in that context, but the judgment, the discipline of God at that moment, they would rather cry out that the mountains fall upon them than to have to face Jesus and His wrath. There are going to be people that would rather be dead than alive. There are going to be people someday wish that they could just go out of existence. I don't want to exist. Just, just let me be gone. And, and there are people that would want to believe that, but that's not what the Bible teaches. I don't believe it is. But here's, here's a, a life. There will be some, the Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 28, when Jesus comes back, there will be some who are come forth from their graves and they'll be raised to eternity in heaven. And there are some who will be raised to destruction. The, the fact of the resurrection, you don't have any choice about that. You're going somewhere. What you do have a choice about is whether you live in heaven or live in hell. That's your choice. The choice of life isn't yours. It's already been decided for you. And then finally, and this will be the last point tonight, all men everywhere shall be judged. Can't get around that either. Uh, there's going to be a day, well, Revelation chapter 20 says, the, the great, the small, the living and the dead, everybody's going to appear before the judgment throne of God and give an account for themselves. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. Uh, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. For he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world according to righteousness. Um, there is this judgment that all men everywhere will have to stand. But here's, here's the choice we have. We don't have a choice as to whether or not we're going to stand before God. We will. The choice, the Bible says, is that at that moment... Do you want God to be your redeemer? Do you want God to be your justifier? Do you want God to say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Do you, do you want that to be the case? Or do you want God to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. Just leave my sights. That choice is yours. The fact that we'll stand before God is something that all men everywhere will do. You don't have any choice about it. But how that day comes down 
and how his judgment will be rendered upon us, we do have a choice. So you see, Benjamin Franklin wasn't exactly right. There are more things certain in life than just death and taxes. There are some other things that Jesus tells us that all men everywhere are going to do, and you don't have any choice about it. And I want you to think about that as we go out this week. I want you to remember that there are some things you cannot avoid. But here's the good news, and again, the the way that God has allowed us freedom within those must-do things. Give God thanks for that. Yeah, I've got to stand before the judgment of Christ, but I have the option of letting him be my Savior or letting him be uh, the one who condemns me. I will have to confess Jesus is Lord, but I have a choice. I, I can confess him now willingly or I can reluctantly acknowledge it in the judgment. I can be baptized now for the forgiveness of my sins or I can wait and be baptized in fire, immersed throughout eternity in a devil's hell. I will be resurrected. I can choose, though, if I want that resurrection to be to life or to be to death. What are your choices about those things about which you cannot choose? There are some decisions that you need to make be making along those lines. There are some things we all must do. And if we touched on any of them tonight that maybe you haven't taken care of, Come to the acknowledgement, these are things, if the Bible is true, and I think we all believe it is or we wouldn't be here, if it's true, then these are things we have to do because it says so. So prepare yourself for these things that you have to do. If you're here tonight and you haven't and you're not prepared, maybe it's for the judgments, maybe it's that you haven't been baptized into Christ, whatever it may be, Make that preparation now while you have a choice how to do it. And um, if, you're, if you're not yet a child of God, but you know, I need to be baptized. I haven't done that yet. I know he says to do it. I've just been putting it off. Don't put it off any longer. These people here are on your side. We're in your corner, and you couldn't do a better thing in the eyes of the folks here we, we believe, as the Bible teaches, that the Spirit and the bride say come. We want you to respond and we'll rejoice with you. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you just, I don't know, you've, you've spent enough time in sin and you've come to that conclusion and you want to come, a, come clean and say, starting today, I want to do better. And I want your prayers and I want you to know that the person I've been is not who I am anymore. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.